Welcome to the Cartoonist Kayfabe courtroom, right? Like, sort I guess of. it could be the sure. courtroom. Why not, man? Uh, my name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. And uh, before we launch into this Comics Code Authority literature, uh, I want to invite everybody to like the channel if they dig it, subscribe to the channel if you dig it, hit the bell icon if you dig it, and you want to mitigate the kayfabe effect so that whenever we put a video out, talk about a comic, you get first dibs on hitting up Amazon or eBay or going to your local comic shop to get said comic that often disappears off the internet after we discuss the stuff. And if you dig these videos, let them play uh, to the end, man, because what happens is it gooses the algorithm and pushes our video content to other YouTube uh, audience members who are into comics but not, might not have come across the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. So, Jimmy, I thought it would be fun to, uh, you know, everybody has a million comics that have that uh, Comics Code Authority symbol. We talk about it a bunch. Yo, is this approved by the Comics Code? We make fun of things that happen <laughs> in comics and take a look at that Comics Code symbol on the front. Pretty much became a paper tiger when we were kids uh, do, doing our thing. It was a big deal when Stan Lee decided to introduce uh, drug issues into comics and had to publish without the Comics Code. That was like a sellable thing to talk about. Uh, but I thought it would be fun to just, like, dial it back. Let's crack open our Comics Code authorities and, and, and see what the actual content of the, uh, the stamp is, is all about, man. What I'm using for my text is uh, Comics by Les Daniels. There's a hearty chapter in here specifically about Wortham. You can't, you can't tell the history of comics without dealing with the Comics Code authority. And uh, they, have it, they have it very clearly spelled out here. Yeah, and I want to give uh, just just a minute or two context for anybody unfamiliar with the Comics Code, because if you're new to comics, I mean, it goes away in the late 90s, early 2000s, it, it kind of goes away. And we joke about it, but, you know, it's enacted in 1954, and it essentially puts EC Comics out of business. Um, whenever I was coming up and, you know, reading about comics history and trying to learn about comics in the 80s and 90s, a lot of creators like Frank Miller's would point at this and kind of say, like, this is what stunted the growth and development of comics. It set comics back decades. And, you know, compared to, say, a European market or a Japanese market, because it basically made comic books in America for kids only. Yeah. And so anything that was challenging, interesting, more mature, sophisticated, any of that stuff was off limits because of the comics code. So it was a it was a uh, tyrannical piece of, of self-imposed legislation in the comics industry that really kind of hurt comics and comic books as an art form yeah. and, and its legacy lasted for decades so kind of dumb you know we're gonna we're gonna laugh at some of the stuff that's in this but really changed the industry significantly you know i mean it brought about something of a collapse in the 50s you know the end of the golden age and everything people basically left comics so uh a huge piece of comics history and a, and a damaging piece of comics history. Yeah, so like, uh, let's, you know, we'll, we'll ping pong back and forth. I'll re read one, a piece, you read a piece. Uh, but first, why don't you read that preamble? Yes. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that Jimmy and I make uh, coming out in March, early March. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one is going to hit the stands. Uh, there was a ransomware attack at uh, the Diamond Distribution Offices, which prevented a lot of stores from getting their final orders in before the due date. Uh, what I'm saying is, this comic is going to be uh, a little more scarce than the rest, and I need it to uh, sell out immediately. I think that would be a good show of the, the, the kayfabe audience. These are the, some of the retail incentive variant covers to go along with that issue. Right now, at this very moment, you could grab 
Red Room, the Antisocial Network trade paperback that collects the 2021 season of uh, Red Room comics. Rising Tide Raises All Ships. Some other stuff in the back catalog that uh, is still on the stands and easily available uh, through uh, your local comic shop if it's a good one. And Amazon if your shop isn't. Uh, WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker, is uh, the life story of a computer hacker from the birth of high technology through the phone system up to uh, WikiLeaks, essentially, man. 288-page graphic novel. Uh, I sort of made my initial name on uh, the Hip Hop Family Tree comics. Uh, four volumes of that are finally back in print after um, Kayfabe coming out and selling out a whole bunch of comics. Uh, at comic shops and in Amazon, but these are back in print as a box set and as individual issues. And uh, X-Men Grand Design, man, my three volume set of Treasury Editions is still out there on the stands. They keep it readily available in print and there is an omnibus version of that where I take 300 issues of X-Men comics, try to tell a complete cohesive story using all of that material. Get these comics at your local comic shop. Support, support comic cartoonist Kayfabe that way. King Kayfaber Jim Rugg has his Grand Design comic coming out at this moment. Jimmy, let's clear a little space. Can you grab these, these guys off? Hulk Grand Design, Monster and Madness coming out in uh, March and April, where Jimmy's taking 40, 50 years worth of Incredible Hulk comics, probably 10,000 pages worth of material, distilling it down into an 80-page essential narrative that you're going to have to get your hands on. And it's the 60th anniversary of, of, of the Hulk, man. What better way to get in and uh, enjoy one of Marvel's sort of crown jewel achievements in their uh, catalog? These are the variant covers to go along with Hulk grin design. The Eddie P variant... Peach Momoko, Marcos Martin, and Uncle Jeff Darrow does a variant cover for uh, the, the second issue or, or the madness issue of Hulk Grand Design. And these are the books of gyms that are in print at this very moment that we need you guys to goose the numbers on uh, those Amazon ranking uh, charts for. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive collects all of Jimmy's uh, albums that were published by uh, Image Comics, plus a lot of material that... Uh, ended up in editions of like 50, 100, you know, these seasonal specials, Halloween special, Christmas special. You got to read those comics, man. Some of Jimmy's darkest stuff, especially that <laughs> Christmas, that Christmas one. And uh, Plain Janes with Cecil Castellucci. Look at the page count of this, man. It is a shoujo manga of a bunch of teen teenage girl artists who sort of Banksy up and Shepherd Fairy this town get in all kinds of adventures all kinds of trouble Jimmy I swear you draw me on one of these pages Early <laughs> on man. I see a little gap tooth dude when I was just wearing those white t-shirts every day uh, Multicolored heck of a Heck of a project took at least 10 15 years to uh, to draw this thing over time man and uh, Worthy of anybody's book bookshelf, uh, but now that we finish paying the bills. Let's get back to the video so this is uh, the Comics Comics Code of 1954, Code of the Comics Magazine Association of America, Inc., adopted October 26, 1954, the preamble. The comic book medium, having come of age on the American cultural scene, must measure up to its responsibilities. Constantly improving techniques and higher standards go hand-in-hand hand with these responsibilities. 
To make a positive contribution to contemporary life, the industry must seek new areas for developing sound, wholesome entertainment. The people responsible for writing, drawing, printing, publishing, and selling comic books have done a commendable job in the past and have been striving towards this goal. Their record of progress and continuing improvement compares favorably with other media in the communications industry. An outstanding example is the development of comic books as a unique and effective tool for instruction and education. Comic books have also made their contribution in the field of letters and criticism of contemporary life. In keeping with the American tradition, the members of this industry will and must continue to work together in the future. In the same tradition, members of the industry must see to it that gains made in this medium are not lost and that violations of standards of good taste, which might tend toward corruption of the comic book as an instructive and wholesome form of entertainment, will be eliminated. Therefore, the Comics Magazine Association of America, Inc. has adopted this code and placed strong powers of enforcement in the hands of an independent code authority. Further members of the association have endorsed the purpose and spirit of this code as a vital instrument to the growth of the industry. To this end, they have pledged themselves to conscientiously adhere to its principles and to abide by all decisions based on the code made by the administrator. They are confident that this positive and forthright statement will provide an effective bulwark for the protection and enhancement of the American reading public and that it will become a landmark in the history of self-regulation for the entire communications industry. And there have been other versions of that, uh, the self-policing uh, metrics in place uh, with the video game rating system. It's the same issue. They got called in front of Congress. Uh, Mortal Kombat is this. Night Trap is that. If you guys don't clean it up, we're going to clean it up. And you know government fucks everything up at least a little bit when they put their nose into things. The MPAA for motion pictures, yeah, uh, giving that rating system. And I think before that, the Hayes Code may have been one. I don't know if that was implemented from, from the federal government or if that was an industry, uh, something the industry put on itself. But yeah, not, not the only time this has been done. But um, man, the legacy of this was guys fighting. You know, I mean, Frank Miller for decades, his thing was anti any rating system. I mean what you said about it stunting the medium like imagine if motion pictures had this code you, then you then you get you get nothing mature this is g-rated is yeah. what this code is well we'll get let's get into it okay okay so so i'll read one you read one uh the standards of the comics code authority as originally adopted uh code for editorial matter general standards part a one crimes shall never be presented in such a way as to create sympathy for the criminal to promote distrust of the forces of law and justice, or to inspire others with a desire to imitate criminals. Number two, no comics shall explicitly present the unique details and methods of a crime. I uh, There goes the educational books. Uh, <laughs> I read Seduction of the Innocent, and there was one part in there where, and I would still like to read this comic. If anybody knows this comic, like, please let me know. <laughs> uh, a kid hijacked uh, an airplane, not a commercial Boeing jet, but like, I don't know, a crop duster, flew it, landed it, and said that he got the instructions from a comic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems preposterous. <laughs> Number three, policemen, judges, government officials, the government officials who wanted this thing enacted, uh, and respected institutions shall, ne shall never be presented in such a way as to create disrespect for established authority. Be an obedient son. Four, if crime is depicted, it shall be as a sordid and unpleasant activity. Criminals shall not be presented so as to be rendered glamorous or to occupy a position which creates a desire for emulation. 
In every instance, good shall triumph over evil and the criminal punished for his misdeeds. Mm -hmm. Scenes of That seems like a false sense of security. (laughs) I'm not sure that's a lesson you want everybody to walk around with. Seven. Scenes of excessive violence shall be prohibited. Scenes of brutal torture, excessive and unnecessary knife and gunplay, physical agony, gory and gruesome crime shall be eliminated. That one feels like EC Comics, we're looking at you with all the crazy stuff that you've done. And it makes me think about some Gil Kane piece we did. It might have been that conversation that he had with Robert Crumb uh, that was transcribed from the uh, into the comics journal where he said when he was doing stuff like Green, Green Lantern and, and Adam that he was only allowed one punch in every story. Like the fight scene, it, it was almost like implied violence. Right. Like, like you get one punch for your story and then you got to move the story along that's so funny because like i feel like movies had that quality you know like like westerns and stuff is like one punch every everything was a one punch knockout (laughs) (laughs) number eight no unique or unusual methods of concealing weapons shall be shown see if this was the motion picture businessman you wouldn't get that scene with the little uh that's right with the the little willy gimmick (laughs) taxi driver for a taxi driver (laughs) and then you wouldn't get to have dwight have that nine Instances of law enforcement officers dying as a result of a criminal's activities shall be discouraged. You could do it, but, like, let's not... Man, that criminal better get his comeuppance. <laughs> you know what that is? That's Denny, Denny Colt. Uh, that's how, the origin of uh, the, the spirit. Interesting. Or Jimmy Corrigan, a.k.a. the Spectre. I think he was is a he, cop. Is he Jimmy Corrigan? I think so. Wow. Uh, number 10. The crime of kidnapping shall never be portrayed in any detail, nor shall any profit accrue to the abductor or kidnapper. The criminal or the kidnapper must be punished in every case. Doesn't that one feel specific? You know what this is, are crime comics. You yeah. know, like there was, there were so many of those. And uh, we, we'll have to do a future video on some of these like pre-code books because I, I think these things must have just proliferated. Yeah. There must have been so many of them. 11, uh, the letters of the word crime on a comics magazine cover shall never be appreciably greater in dimension than the other words contained in the title. The word crime shall never appear alone on a cover. Crime suspense stories. Yeah, crime does not pay. <laughs> that, that's a funny one because it's crime real big and then does not pay is just tiny. It all fits underneath the word crime. Totally. Number 12, restraint in the use of the word crime in titles or subtitles shall be exercised. Doesn't it make you want to put the word crime in two times? It does. Yes, it does. (laughs) General Standards, Part B. One, no comic magazine shall use the word horror or terror in its title. Here's looking at you again, EC. This is like the all EC portion of of, of our segment here. I was trying to figure out like how they have these, you know, this is Part B of the General Standards, and it looks like it's horror. It looks like Part A was crime. I see. Part B is horror. Um, so number two, all scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. It just makes me think there's that great EC story. I think it's George Evans where some bad guy lights go out. They let the dogs loose and he has to run through a labyrinth of walls that have razor blades sticking out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Three, all lurid, unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall be eliminated. Breaks my heart. Number four, inclusion of stories dealing with evil shall be used or shall be published only where the intent is to illustrate a moral issue and in no case shall evil be presented alluringly 
nor so as to injure the sensibilities of the reader. This is that, like, uh, the, the reader needs our help kind of thing. I can read anything. I, at the Comics Code Authority, I can read every comic that comes in, and I alone will not be perverted, will not be fucked up. I'm taking this bullet so you don't have to. Uh, I will read these things, and hopefully I won't commit crimes afterward. You know? Right. It's, it's, it's that old moral authority thing. Five. Uh, scenes dealing with or instruments associated with Walking Dead, torture, vampires, and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism are prohibit prohibited. No Robert Kirkman in the uh, Comics Code era. <laughs> All right. General Standards Part C. All elements or techniques not specifically mentioned herein, but which are contrary to the spirit and intent of the code and are considered violations of good taste or decency shall be prohibited. Now we have subcategories like dialogue. Yes. One, profanity, obscenity, smut, vulgarity, or words or symbols which have acquired undesirable meanings are forbidden. This makes me think about like the, the era, like the underground era, those guys, they, they come up with the ECs and they come up with like, really challenging Carl Bark story. There's stuff in Carl Bark stories that probably wouldn't wouldn't like meet the standards. Dell Del didn't use the code. I was going to say exactly. They're they're I think the one publisher that didn't. But um they're seeing comics one way. They're hearing about the shit on the TV. They're seeing the comic burnings, all of that stuff, the 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 sort of witch hunt that was associated. The comics code seal like it because this thing right here, that becomes like the antithesis of what you want in your work. So like once you get the opportunity and once that distribution mechanism of being able to like bypass that, you got to do all of these. Yeah, exactly. This is your checklist. Yeah, you have to do <laughs> how many of these. One. It's like bingo. How many of these can you fit into your comic? And the truth is, I, I really feel like you have to do like those guys bit bullets and they did all of that stuff so that we could dial it back. And then just just do regular stories. Now, I'm obviously I'm going crazy, but with with Red Room and shit. But you know what I mean. Like the it, it allows for the opportunity to have a comic that handles sex in a mature adult fashion. Let's say just as a for instance. Anyhow, go ahead, Jimmy. All right, number two: special precautions to avoid references to physical afflictions or deformities shall be taken. <laughs> Although slang and colloquialisms are acceptable, excessive use should be discouraged. And wherever possible, good grammar shall be employed. I'm going to tell you something, Jimmy. Uh, this is the one that I almost agree with. If you look at some pre-code books, when they have like street urchin talk <laughs> and shit like that, uh, where I'm just like, what are you saying? What the fuck words are you saying? There's so many commas cutting words into pieces to kind of show us that they're a hayseed. Um, Lou Abner comics would have a lot of that stuff. And it's just like... it it. It stalls the reading experience. Right. Yeah, I was thinking, like, th there's no crazy cat if you were to apply That's this. True. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, the greatest comic in history right. gets, gets crossed out with that rule. All right. So, uh, another category religion. Ridicule or attack on any religious or racial group is never permissible. That, and that seems more pro uh, progressive than the, the, the wider american culture like i feel like jim crow was happening right around this time even right oh but, yeah but you can't have that in your comics right interesting all right costumes uh one nudity in any form is prohibited as is indecent or undue exposure 
Two, suggestive and salacious illustration or suggestive posture is unacceptable. There goes Milo Minera's career. <laughs> Three, all characters shall be depicted in dress reasonably acceptable to society. There goes Eric Stanton. <laughs> Four, females should be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. Note, it should be recognized that all prohibitions dealing with costume dialogue or artwork applies as specifically to the cover of a comic magazine as they do to the contents. Marriage and sex. One, divorce shall not be treated humorously nor represented as desirable. Two, illicit sex relations are neither to be hinted at nor portrayed. Violent love scenes as well as sexual abnormalities are unacceptable. Looking at you, amputee love. <laughs> Three, respect for parents, the moral code, and for honorable behavior shall be fostered. A sympathetic understanding of the problems of love is not a license for morbid distortion. Four, the treatment of live romance stories shall emphasize the value of the home and the sanctity of marriage. So antiseptic. Yeah, I think Ogden Whitney for like all this stuff because his romance comics were like lean into this. Yeah. You know, like they were so, uh, you know, rigidly correct. That's the era too, man. That's like, you know, sitcom moms and dads sleeping in different beds. Mm -hmm. That's the era of the Douglas Cirque melodramatic feature films and things. Yeah. I Love Lucy was not allowed to have a baby. <laughs> Five, passion or romantic interest shall never be treated in such a way as to stimulate the lower and baser emotions. Six, seduction and rape shall never be shown or suggested. Seven, sex perversion or any inference to same is strictly forbidden. <laughs> Got to get those American values in place. Eh? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Code for Advertising Matter. These regulations are applicable to all magazines published by members of the Comics Magazine Association of America, Inc. Good taste shall be the guiding principle in the acceptance of advertising. One, liquor and tobacco advertising is not acceptable. Two, advertisement of sex or sex instruction books are unacceptable. Three, the sale of picture postcards, pinups, art studies, any other reproduction of nude or semi-nude figures is prohibited. I'm imagining that, like, they saw, like, Betty Page kind of pinup stuff in the same kitsch as comics, and they don't want the those two interconnecting. Yeah, I would bet there's a lot of crossover because you would hear about comics for, like, XGIs and stuff, yeah. you know, and, and, and that would drive maybe violent war comics, crime comics, a lot of this stuff that maybe wasn't even what a kid would pick. Right. And that would be next to pinups, right? So, uh, four, advertising for the sale of knives or realistic gun facsimiles is prohibited. Believe this one was uh, lax by the time I'm reading comics in the 80s. Heck yeah, because you could get that baton that goes like that. <laughs> you could get all kind of stuff. It'd be like ninja, ninja tools you could order in those things. Uh, five, advertising uh, for the sale of fireworks is prohibited. That's sad. <laughs> that hurts. Six, advertising dealing with the sale of gambling equipment or printed matter dealing with gambling shall not be accepted. Like what? Slot machine? You're going to sell slot machines? <laughs> Seven, nudity with meretricious purpose and salacious postures shall not be permitted in the advertising of any product. Clothed figures shall never be presented in such a way as to be offensive or contrary to good taste or morals. To be 
To the best of his ability, each publisher shall ascertain that all statements made in advertisements conform to fact and avoid misrepresentation. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I believe that guy who invented sea monkeys, which is just like little brine shrimp, I think he also, there was an ad for the invisible fish that uh, they send you to the globe. They send you the little rocks. They send you some fish food and the promise that you will never see the fish inside that globe. That actually sounds accurate. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, and the, the final piece that I have here, Jimmy, I don't know if that's yeah, the that's final one for piece. me. Uh, advertisement of medical, health, or toiletry products of questionable nature are to be rejected. Advertise advertisements for medical, health, or toiletry products endorsed by the American Medical Association or the American Dental Association shall be deemed acceptable if they conform with all other conditions of the advertising code. And this brings to mind one of those recalled issues of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. They would have these like Victorian era adver advertisements. Uh, and there was some kind of somebody will put something in the comments. This is just coming to mind. I didn't research ahead of time, but some kind of vaginal douche pussy something or other man was an advertisement in there. And it might've been around the time when America's best comics became some sort of DC property, something like that had to be recalled. There was, there was a kerfuffle. There was an issue. And, uh, those are like the valuable issue of, uh, of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because only a couple saw saw the shelves or some some stuff like that, man. So so that one stuck around for a little while. That was pulled by DC Choice though, I think. I don't know that that was a um, it didn't get released. A comics code issue, if memory serves. I because I mean I, I imagine there's other offensive stuff if that was dependent on the comics code. Mm -hmm. I don't know if uh, I think a lot of issues of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen wouldn't yeah, have made sure. it. Yeah, sure. I guess what I'm saying is a, a vestige of that this train of thinking influenced that decision at the very least. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a document. Um, again, you know, just stressing like this puts a lot of comics just out of business. You know, not just DC, but like virtually any of the crime horror titles of the time are just that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Lev Gleason pivoted. I, I don't remember right. that era of Lev Gleason comics. Exactly, crime. Yeah, right. <laughs> it already has the positive message: crime does not pay. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Jobs Any pay. <laughs> Anyhow, I thought it would have been a super cool thing to actually like break this down, get it on the record, the, for the people who were curious and didn't know what the heck was actually in this gobbledygook. Uh, it created a small little cottage business that now gets paid. It's like, you know, when you when you buy a house or something, there's a million hands that are in that transaction from the die tester to the home inspector. This is like some people, comics are popular. This is another bunch of people who are getting to put their hands into the pie. You know, the Comics Code Authority, uh, was sort of built on these publishers paying dues to keep this thing going. You know, each publisher agreeing that we'll put money into a kitty to set up this little office so that these, this kind of work can be done. You can see in the um, documentary Comic Book Confidential some of the propaganda that went around that in video form where it shows these matronly old ladies whiting out a couple of the bodies that are being exploded <laughs> by mortar fire 
and uh, getting the big old stamp on the top of the paper and stuff. Yeah, it's a really sad thing to read and just, you know, think about how much was taken off the table. Yeah. Like, you just don't get to do stories about certain subjects or really stories that maybe have, uh, you know, the idea that good always has to win is is, is ludicrous. Yeah. You know, like, that's not a reflection of the world in any way. So is that really what you want to do? And, and uh Listen, the people who were making comics at the certainly at the time, and, may, and one can make the argument that it really hasn't changed. It's kind of a paycheck to paycheck business for a lot of people. So now you just don't have that time to go back and rewrite a story, redraw a story. So there's a chilling effect that happens where you're going to hedge against having to do more work than what your paycheck, you know, deems you to uh, to to receive. You're not going to do free work to, to change stuff. So you're not even going to try. You know, you're not going to try to push any envelopes because rent is due. Yeah, right. You know, so that's where the stultification comes from in a lot of ways, man, where the creatives aren't even going to try to push the perimeters at all. Yeah, and we talk a lot about, like, um, you know, as being younger readers and creators, we talk about, like, the 90s implosion and all the way it affects everybody you know when we interview these guys we ask them what their point of view was when this happened you can find accounts of a lot of you know like a lot of these historical figures like uh simon and kirby you know are, are very much affected by this in the 50s not just the code but the ramifications of the code which is the shrinking market mm -hmm. um you know marvel's affected by it or timely i suppose um so they're you know it's more than just dc like this had affected everybody virtually on a on a personal level um, there are accounts of, like, Graham Ingalls got out of comics. Uh, a lot of the people associated with EC, they were they were hurt. They, mm -hmm. they, they were mentally hurt by these issues. See, seeing this stuff on TV, hearing people say so much bad stuff about it, and it's their comics that are in the crosshairs uh, a lot of the time. Uh, there, there's a reason why these people at, at, you know, cocktail parties and stuff aren't saying that they're makers of comics. It's, it would be akin to saying that you're a pornographer in, right. at this era. Yeah, I would I would read interviews with guys that I would look up to, older you know older cartoonists that would talk about lying about their profession. Yeah, because of the you know the shame, the stigma that would be associated with comics, kind of spinning out of all of this. Yep. Yeah, wild stuff. I think it's uh, it's great to have this on here, and and I do think it opens up some avenues for future videos where we look at. Uh, you know, before and after yes. <laughs> and some of the stuff around this time period. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. You good, Jimmy? I am. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design. Tell your local comic shop to order it, to order a copy for you, to order all the copies for you. There are different covers you can pick from, but let your local comic shop know. Hulk Grand Design coming in March and April, celebrating 60 years of the Hulk. Uh, you know, Marvel commissioned me to kind of tell that story in a relatively concise way. So let your local comic shop know to pick that up for you and uh, let them know right away next time you're in the comic shop. And uh, you can join me on Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg to kind of see how I make my comics, including Hulk Grand Design. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one, hitting the stands early March. Uh, every issue completely self-contained. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Uh, you're going to be able to pre-order that uh, at your local comic shop. Get it put on your pull list. It's going to be coming out on a monthly basis for four issues. Uh, you can pre-order these comics today at the Fantagraphics website if you don't have a good shop in town. 
And uh, you can read these comics right now uh, on my Patreon, patreon.com slash edpiscor, three bucks for the archive there. I serialize all the comics before they hit paper uh, at the link tree in the description below. You're going to be able to get to all of our stuff, help support the channel that way. What else do we have out there, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Give them those marching orders. We'll be on our way. Make more comics. But they don't have to be wholesome.